I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome. This is day 14. Let's talk live. And I'm very, very excited to be here with you all. I've got an interesting guest view. And I say interesting because, well, I know her a little bit. And Jamia Drummond Bay is not only my best friend, but she's a conscious learning expert, a global curriculum designer, and the founder of KidU University. And it's going to be interesting today because we're going to be going over what we discussed throughout the week. And the week, we were discussing systems, you know, systems that have to go uh, with white supremacy in education, law enforcement, healthcare, and businesses. And Jamia's job and work has taken her to different continents. Her career has led to her working with different companies from different perspectives, and, to see, and she's gotten the advantage of seeing the world through different angles. So I'm really, really excited to have her on. Jamia, welcome. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tayo. The pleasure is mine. How are you? I'm I am pushing. I'm pushing through. That the how are you question has been tough for me the mm. last couple of um or the last couple of weeks. I've noticed that I've actually been avoiding it when people send it to me in mes- messages and things like that. When I see how are you, I don't know how to respond. Um but I'll just say I'm pushing, I'm pushing through. That's how I'm going. I want to talk about that though. Why do you think it's something you've been avoiding? Well, you know, right now I would say that uh, it would be rare to find um, a black person who is specifically a black American person, but a black person right now who is fine who is okay, who is good. And, and however, that is a response that we've all, regardless of who we are culturally. um, And I say this in many cultures have been taught to respond as that's our, our reflex, our go-to I'm fine. But I noticed now it's just caught in my throat. It's such a lie. I can't release that lie. I'm not fine. Um, (laughs) But also as a conscious person, I don't want to (laughs) emotionally vomit upon whomever (laughs) sends me a simple, how are you? You know, so it's, it's, it's weighted right now. It's, it's so much happening. I hear you. I was on another live earlier in the week and 
um, yeah, you, you know her, Liz, teaching transformer. She asked me how to start. And I said, just start off with asking me how I am because I don't know how I would be that day. <laughs> and I think okay. it's important for me to release that. And so, and I answered it and I said, I'm of two minds. I'm angry and I'm optimistic. And I've often described myself as an angry optimist ever since I heard uh, one of my favorite comedians, Osama Nas, say that because it, it really is that, you know, you, you're angry, but it does feel like there's potential for change now. Uh, but part of the anger I've also been experiencing uh, have been things that I've been suppressing unconsciously throughout the years and it's interesting to see how they play out because it's almost like landmines you know like i i I would watch something and it would trigger a memory of a moment that i felt ostracized or something i'd be like oh that was eighth grade that was sixth grade that was just last year (laughs) and it's there's this certain freedom to finally feel free to express yourself without consequence uh, I think we both understand when you say angry black man, angry black woman, but now it's like, ah, it's a, I'm just going to be angry. So that's how I've been feeling. I think that's quite beautiful what you said and a very important message to feel all of your feelings because I think um, when we're growing up in a lot of different cultures, we're kind of taught that the main feeling yeah. is your feeling you know, but we're multifaceted people. We can feel and express multiple things at once. And that is so important, especially now when there is so the, the emotions and triggers are so heightened now. It's also, it's really important for us to realize that we can be angry, but we can also experience moments of joy in our day and gratitude in our day and sadness, you know, and just name all of those emotions. Uh, I think it's just, it's so necessary now. You know, it's funny you said naming it because Ollie in the chat says it's so consuming, the different emotions. Sometimes it's hard to verbalize. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people don't know how to verbalize for them to name it, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. which is an even more complex thing. Uh, but I, I will encourage you, Ollie, because I'm exactly where you are. It's, uh, you know, just the breathing and just allowing yourself to to cry if you need to cry and yell if you need to cry uh, and yell if you need to yell. I think it will eventually come out. At least that's what's been happening to me. I'll be okay. watching something and I'll just be like, <clears throat> <laughs> tears coming yeah. up. And then, um, or I'll be in the middle of a speech. That happened to me. The first, uh, two weeks ago, I, they were introducing me and I started crying and I'm like, what the heck is happening? And yeah, um, yeah. so but, uh, that's interesting. All right. So let's let's talk about your career. You, you and I met. Was this a two, three years ago now? Three years ago? I think more than that. I think maybe almost four. Yeah. Like end of 2016. Yeah. So it was three years. And uh, we had an interesting journey where we were like, okay, she's all the way in another continent, but there's an interesting bond, even though we had initial clashes. We're like, I don't know. She does things differently than I do. And I do things differently than you do. But I think we connected over the the desire to, to educate and impact the next generation. So can you talk about your career and how you dived into this the uh, amazing career of a global curriculum designer. Yeah, and and purpose. You know, I think uh, with you and I, there we both have a lot of passion in our purpose. You know, and a mission, and to and to make the world better. 
And our ways of going about that <laughs> are different, but also the same, you know. So finding that common ground, you know, um, was was quite interesting. So for me, I'm a global curriculum designer, and I started out as an educator in South Korea, and uh, that was really my way of trying to figure out how to be an amazing educator out in the world. So I didn't have an education degree. I studied communications and chemistry and university. And uh, I had this volunteer stint in Turkmenistan with healthcare, but there I realized I had this gift of teaching. So I pulled up online um, some different articles about uh, places that were amazing at that time. So they said they meaning <laughs> the world <laughs> in education. And then I heard a speech by Barack Obama that said, we're looking at South Korea. And I remember thinking at that time, bright and shiny post college, um, do people really know when when politicians uh, say that we are following certain countries or we're following certain practices? Do we really know if they are the best practices or countries to follow? Is it true? And so I thought, OK, I'm fresh out of college. I have no commitments, still trying to figure things out. So I'm going to go to South Korea and figure out if this is if this is true. And if this is true, I'm going to see if they're the best in education I want to learn how to be the best. Um, and so that's how things initially started. Um, and from there, I just learned from the kids. And, you know, I love this zero-based knowledge approach, which I think a lot of people who are our allies, uh, who are uncovering a lot of their own biases, are coming um, at their their knowledge of learning how to be better allies is from a zero knowledge approach, you know? And I think that's quite beautiful, although it feels difficult. So for me in education, I had no, I had no prior experience. So I didn't have previous lessons to go back at to or um, coursework to refer to like other educators. All I had to look at were my students, their emotions, their feedback, were they happy, were they sad? If they felt like I was failing, if they were bored, I said, okay, I'm failing, you're bored. This isn't good enough, you know, and I would rework it. And from there I started um, designing my own curricula because the school's curricula didn't work. And then from there school started buying my curricula and things like that. But I think that's important because a lot of times when it's when it's something new that we're tackling or something difficult, like now, you know, people who are amazing watching your work and learning from you and reading all of these resources, I know that there has to be some self-talk that's saying, oh my, oh man, there's so much I don't know, you know, or I, I just have so many layers that I have to peel back. And that happens when you're going into something where you feel like you weren't equipped, you know? But it's beautiful because in that space, you get to really look to the people who you want to support, the people you want to help. You know, so for me, it was, OK, my feedback comes directly from the kids. <laughs> Am I serving you? You know, are, do you feel supported? Are you growing? Are you nurtured? And, you know, for people watching this, 
No, you may not have a degree in diversity and inclusion, but you get to look at, you know, your your friends or people you want to be friends with, you know, people you want to help society and say, how can I do better? Is this right? Is this working? You know, and and so that's how I think all of our paths align. You know, there are multiple things here with you, and I want to tackle them. First of all, Obama plays a big role in your career. You watch the speech. Today is Obama Day. It's been dubbed Obama Day, so this is prophetic. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, Anna, uh, who I love, is, is zero-knowledge approach is wonderful. Thank you. You're truly inspiring, Jameer. Jameer, you're, you're, you're touching the hearts of people here. What, what, what are you doing? And, and she's Thank in you, Anna. she's in Malaysia, I believe, yes. uh, so all the way ac- across the pond there. And the other thing I want to talk on is your idea of zero knowledge, which Anna just brought up. There are multiple people who feel like they have zero knowledge of blackness right now. And even much more with uh, much less of an idea, rather, of how to tell their kids about what's going on in the world. Some people feel like it's too much to tell a kid about that and they have to protect their kids. And some people feel like I feel like I'm a bit of an imposter because I am not even knowledgeable myself. So who am I to tell my kids about Black Lives Matter? To those groups of people, what do you say? Oh, I love this conversation because kids are my my gift, my magical gift somehow in my blood. <laughs> it's given to me. Uh, kids are amazing because, uh, and I, I also want to throw out there, you know, in a lot of social media, it, shows my work with teens, but my, most of my work is with very young children, four-year-olds, three-year-olds, kindergartners. And I love that age because they are so aware. They're so much more aware than even their parents know oftentimes, which is beautiful because, you know, when you're a parent, you often see your baby, right? Oh, you, I just, I remember when you learned how to walk, but for me, I didn't experience them as little babies. So I see them as full humans, you know, and, and I experience their minds uh, as that as well. And from there, the conversations that I have with them, it just, it highlights how much they learn from you. Yeah. Even when you're silent, they're so aware. So the conversations that you aren't having, they're learning from your energy. They know when you see something on your cell phone or on television and suddenly your energy shifts. They know that. They know something's going on. They see you tense up when you're at a supermarket. They know something's happening. And so what happens is when the verbal conversations aren't occurring, what kids do is they create in their minds what is happening for them to replace the words that you aren't giving them. Yeah. And that can be very problematic. That creates fears, that creates night terrors, and that creates unnecessary bias. So what I love to encourage parents to do is when you're reading and you're uncovering white supremacy, fragility, your your biases, talk about it. Talk you don't have to use those words, but you can say, oh my goodness, you know, I learned that Sometimes I wasn't a great friend to my friends who didn't look like me. You know, sometimes I would, I wanted to be friends with people who look like me more. So I would share my crayons with them and not share my crayons with the friends who didn't look like us. Have you ever done that before? And just 
just open the conversation. That's that's all this is. Conversations really heal the world. And analogies and examples, you know, at that age, when you're learning. Yeah, there you go. The power of stories. Yeah. When you learn in the world you're you're taught about the world through stories even if you're you're christian you're muslim or anyone it's through a story uh, science it's a, it's a story this is how the world became and kids are fascinated by what they see and they they make a lot of associations and and we're going to be okay. going through that this coming week but there's a strong power with associations and so when they see how you react to someone from another group and maybe as you flinch or you you turn away or you move away that's stored here somewhere and so it's going to come out eventually. And so if you think you're shielding them, they're still watching you. Uh, and and, it, and, it, and it's, it's so powerful for us to be aware of that and to understand that in our quest to protect kids from the quote unquote world, we're actually <laughs> perpetuating several dangerous things because we're not mm-hmm. giving them the tools to, to interact with who they're going to be classmates with. Exactly. And we aren't giving them the tools to call the tools to call us out as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like to highlight are things that we say in everyday language that are problematic because they create those stories for children when we don't give them the words. For example, um, someone commented on my feed about how her son was mixing colors together. And she said, oh, that makes this ugly, disgusting brown color. And he said, oh, mom, I I like brown. And she said, oh, right. Yes, brown is a beautiful color. But when we don't have that awareness, what does that teach them? Oh, I don't want to make that disgusting brown color. Brown is disgusting, you know, or oftentimes for younger kids, we teach them to put the things that are similar together, put all of the squares together and the triangles, triangles together, put all the red things here and the blue things there. And in their minds, it's just not shapes. It's all things. And so these conversations are so necessary, even when kids are young, because they are, even when we are unaware, they're becoming a part of shaping their view of the world. Absolutely. Karen Bryant says, am I serving you? Do you feel supported? Powerful questions any educator can ask of their kids. It's making them you know, co-conspirator is part of the conversation. It's very important yeah. to, to include that. Interesting. Um, I mean, see, uh, yeah, Charlene says kids are sponges. They're resilient, but not without adverse effects from repeated trauma. I want to touch on this. What's been happening for me this month is I've been re-experiencing so much trauma. And I, I had uh, therapy helped me understand that, but I didn't know how to articulate it much like um, what Ali was saying, because I didn't understand why I was just getting so angry quickly. And my therapist said to me, you're finally freeing yourself from things that you had, you know, you trapped yourself into, you know, I grew up in a dictatorship and I was told to initially just keep quiet, quiet, quiet. And then I would see how my parents would react to different things. And so I'd be confused about, wait, wait, can I do that? Why are we saying this here? And as I got older, you know, I, I started to like, figure out how the world viewed certain black people, like I'm Nigerian, like, oh, well, you're a different type. And then I was like, I'll just be followed it away in my head. Mm-hmm. And this past week, it was just spontaneously coming out. I was like, oh, I just didn't even allow myself to fully develop. I was just tapping into different people's ideas and I wasn't even allowing myself to fully feel. And that's what can happen here. So when you say that, Charlie, and I, I really resonate with that because I find myself remembering things as I get older that my parents used to do 
more and more. And, and it just come out randomly with something I would say. And someone would have to tell me, oh, that's just like your dad or that's just like your mom. Mm. And if we don't check it, <laughs> it, it can be good or bad. Uh, I love that. There's there's another thing that, that comes to mind, though. So I'm very curious about this. You, you deal with teens. We talked about the early development. Now, you, you're finding this situation where teens are having to teach their parents not to be racist. And there's there's a power dynamic there that exists. And that power dynamic is I'm paying the bills. <laughs> okay. You come home here. All right. You, you think you want anything? I'm the one in charge of that. I'm the captain now. All right. I'm coming down. But <laughs> what do you then do when that's the situation where you know your parent is wrong? And 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 then you're like, can I be anti-racist under this household or do I have to shield that? Uh, I'm just curious about that because I know some teens have reached out to you and, and then, you know, you've, you've had to hold space for them. You know, this new generation, this the, the generation of teens that we have now, they are amazing. They are powerful. They are vocal. And yeah, their parents may some of their parents may say, um, I pay the bills here. But that's not just in based on mindset, that's in any difference of opinion. That's if you want to go to a party and your parents say, no, I pay the bills here. So for me, it's deciding on what's important for you because, (laughs) and what, and what you're willing to, to push back against, you know, that's, that's life. We all have situations where we don't see eye to eye with our parents. So are you going to push back because you want to attend a party or you want to hang out with your friends or cut your hair or something? Or do you want to push back because there's a cause that you want to believe in? And what tends to happen is that when someone younger decides to push back, it's usually something that is connected to their friendships. You know, so people tend to shy away from pushing back uh, because there's a cause that they want to believe in, but push back because there's a party that they want to go to because they don't want to feel left out. So for me, the conversation is not necessarily about between them and their parents. It's about what kind of thumbprint do you want to leave on this world? What's important to you, you know, and helping them to connect to their purpose and what matters that that is the conversation, because regardless of who is on the other side in life, there are always going to be people in the opposition. There is there are always going to be people you love who don't agree with you, you know, but when you're connected to a, a higher purpose or a mission, that doesn't matter. You're steadfast. And so those are the conversations that I like to have. It's interesting you say that. I've been, you know, we're two weeks into the Let's Talk Bias. And one thing I've been stressing is that the work of anti-racism is difficult. And it's particularly difficult because the people that are going to find your, you're going to find yourself in opposition with are the people that are closest to you sometimes. And that's part of uh, how you figure out what your value is and what, what, you right. know, who you are, who you're going to be. And much of life is about getting from who you are and who you want to be. And so when you start making concessions early, 
that's when you get into the performativeness of that, right? And 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 this work is difficult, and not everybody agrees with equality. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, in fact, some people think this is a coordinated, um, you know, plan to to get rid of some people. But right. this is a chance to firm your resolve. Uh, and before we go on to, the, to another thing that I know that really uh, draws at you and gnaws at you is then it's the the parent angle. We talked about the the maybe potential racist parents. There are parents now who are feeling so much guilt and shame, and they're so, I guess, struck in, by the fact that they didn't realize they were living in, in different worlds. That w they have two options. One, they feel like, well, am I like just a horrible person? And the other one is, hey, maybe I don't need to tell my kid this, <laughs> uh, and maybe I need to turn the TV off. I've, I've watched a lot. Listen, I've watched a lot of shows and listened to a lot of podcasts where. I'll hear parents, particularly white parents, say, I turned the news off or when someone walked in on George Floyd. Um, I changed the channel quickly because I didn't want to say to have this conversation with my daughter. And this is maybe seven year old, eight year old, nine year old. What do you, what do you say? You know, is that something that you feel like is going to traumatize the kid or should you have that talk with the kid? I think I think both. I agree with both. For one, I wouldn't show my child um, George Floyd um, on the news either. I think it's murder porn. And those are things I wouldn't want in my child's consciousness, you know, or for them to fixate on. But I, I do think the conversation is necessary for them to understand. I would they would know George Floyd's name. And I think that's important, you know, to talk about things that are happening. Yeah. But as a parent, you also have the opportunity to have that conversation the way that you feel is best. You know, and I, I always believe that I would rather introduce something to a child through a lens of love first and awareness first, rather than to receive that information somewhere else from another kid or from someone else's parents, you know, through a different type of lens. Um, but I, for parents who feel like you want to turn the television off, turn off the television. It's, it's traumatic. It's traumatic even for me to pick up my cell phone sometimes and see these images play over and over and over again, you know, but to have that conversation um, about how people are treated differently, you know, about privilege, about yeah. um, ways that you are trying to learn. What what are you learning? You know, don't make it a secret. Don't make it enticing. Oh, I turned off the TV. You never saw me watching the TV. No, I saw you watching something. You know, yeah. so be be upfront about it. Don't don't hide or you know. Um, try to avoid the conversation. But one thing that I want to highlight here that I think is really important is that for parents here, you know, watching this and being committed to do this difficult work, it's important to know that you are on your own life journey and your child is on their life journey as well. You know, you're not here even though I know you want to, to create this perfect path for your child. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all are individual souls here yeah. um, with our own journeys. And so what you're here to learn, what Tyle's here to learn, what I'm here to learn and experience and grow through, that is our sole purpose and experience. 
your yep. child, they have theirs as well. And so by sugarcoating things um, in a way that they are completely unaware, you don't give them the tools for their life journey, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important because what I see happening time and time again, um, especially with my students who I'm really close to, is it's not necessarily anger. It's just confusion that they were never told these things. Mm. Why am they say, why am I just hearing about this? Why am I just, why am I just, how did I never, you know? And, and that's hurtful for them to kind of feel like there are, there are entire histories or entire experiences that their families have had or conversations that have been going on in the dark that they weren't given a seat at the table to. Yeah. You know, when you say that, I'm, I'm struck by this parallel that I see with anti-racism and happiness. And now hang with me. A lot of people think. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Happiness is a destination. And, it, and I, I think of it as a journey, right? People think if I get this, I'll be happy. If I get this, I'll, if I, you know, marry this person, I'll be happy. If I buy this car, I'll be happy. And that takes away from the actual experience. And so if you approach it from a joyful mindset where you're like, okay, you know, I'm always, I'm, you know, I'm always going to continuously be a, a certain mood. And what's happening now is me being present. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm all this, but it doesn't take away from my whole essence. It doesn't mean I'm a sad person or a happy person. I think if you apply that to anti-racism, you're going to have that less, uh, you know, strenuous mindset because many parents are now in a position where I've noticed where they're panicking and they're thinking, oh my goodness, if I don't educate my kid right now and not to be an anti-racist, they're going to make the world in a better place and they're going to become a monster. And then it's going to, be, it's going to become my fault. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. You don't even know where your journey is. <laughs> Let's, how about you two be on the journey and unlearn things together, right? It's, it's a learn, unlearn, relearn cycle. That's the loop of this. And it happens every, every day. I mean, you and I, we're black. I, I, there, I can say, speak for myself. There's certain things I have to unlearn every day about how the white supremacy has shaped the world, right? And 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 that if that's happened to me, why would that not happen to you? And so if you approach it from that mindset and you talk to your kid about it and you say, "Hey, you know, be okay making mistakes, but here's how to react when you make a mistake," or "Hey, when you when this happens and you see this, here's how not to be a bystander," and is it going to be difficult? Yes. Will people make fun of you? Yes. But 
Remember what your values are. It's like this constant reminders that we all have to have every day. And when you approach it from a centering yourself saying, I, my kid is going to see me as a horrible parent if I don't do this, then I think you're missing the point of the whole thing because that's actually not what the work is. So that's how I see that at least. I love that. And, you know, I agree. It's very important for everyone to have grace with themselves, you know, because a lot of this energy was handed to us. You know, <laughs> we slavery happened before we were here. You know, there there are just layers and layers of trauma, layers and layers of yeah. um, negative connections and interactions, you know, with yeah. one another that we've all experienced. So as you said, yes, there's a lot of unlearning. But what I would say, uh, and I'm going to use the curriculum <laughs> way of doing things, but it's really important whenever you create a new goal for yourself like this, that is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly the world is on fire and we are all in, you know, we're going to speak up, we're going to learn, we're going to unlearn. Right. That's a lot. That is a lifetime curriculum. That doesn't happen in a day or a week. You can't just read one book and say, all right, I got it. You know, that doesn't happen. And so what I would encourage people to do is set your intention. You know, so it's not about I am going to be the uh, the perfect parent who's going to raise the perfect kid. You know, mm -hmm. I am going to try my best. <laughs> I am going to try my best. I'm going to give my child my best so that they can have the tools to be their best. Yeah, It's a journey, you know, and then give your sit down and consider what will you do when mistakes happen? Uh, not not if I make a mistake, when I make I a mistake. When I make a mistake, exactly. And just give yourself time, the grace <laughs> to know that failure is a part of this journey, right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's inevitable. Yeah. Last week's guest, um, Otang, uh, Joey Otang, amazing guest, he talked about perfectionism being one of the barriers to the work. And that's what you're bringing this up. It, a lot of people have this idea that if you're not doing it perfectly, you're messing up. And so when you're thinking about, you know, anti-racism or any of this, like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to say the right word. And if I said that wrong, then I've screwed it up and I'm not the best teacher and I'm not the best parent. You're just, it, it becomes this thing where you're in your head and high motorcycle and you're dealing with shame and embarrassment and, and, and then it becomes guilt and, and you're just not understanding that that's all part of the process and you're not able to deal with a mistake. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. It, it's it's um, very, very, I think it's, I find it very dangerous because it, the reason why I find it dangerous is that it, it is what white supremacists rely on. You know, anyone that's truly involved in, in white supremacy and orchestrating the system relies on complacency, ignorance, and non-action. <laughs> so they rely on the fact that, ah, it's too much research. I'm not going to do it. Ignorance, ah, they haven't done the work. They don't know what we're doing here. Uh, my Machiavellian plans. And non-action, well, do they really want to lose their status? Do they really want to lose, you know, what what they what we've helped build? And that's that's the dangerous part uh, of that. And so I, I would hope people would see the bigger picture in that. And so uh, I love that you bring in this point. So yeah. yeah I 
I think perfection is is fear based, you know, and and we're calling it the wrong thing. And, you know, if people when they consider perfection or I have to be perfect, connected to the fear, what am I afraid of? What what is this? Why is this fear coming up? Because for me, I realize that perfection for me and a lot of my students is trauma based. I have to be perfect because if not, what's going to happen? That's trauma, you know, especially as a black person for me. And I did a live where I was just like crying on Instagram, which is weird for me. But, you know, I, I talked about how growing up, I was always taught as a black person, we have to be twice as good to get half as much over and over and over. And that is this idea that without perfection, you are nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And then I realized being a perfectionist, it was just trauma for me over and over, not making it, not being good enough, not, not succeeding, not being liked. Those are energies that are harmful and problematic. They don't propel you forward. Joy, just think about it. When you when you are having doing something that you love, like for me, eating ice cream. <laughs> I love that because it's it's joyful, it's fun, right? <laughs> so something simple like that. But things that are our ideal experiences are connected to joy, not yeah. not sadness. So if perfection is based on, oh no, what would happen if? Or, oh, no, if I don't get this, people won't like me. That's sadness and fear. There's nothing happy about that. Why would we want to pursue that or attain that? You know, and so perfection, that that is fear wearing uh, a bling bling hat. That's fear in costume. It's trauma in costume. And it it is one of those words that I feel we were taught um, that unfortunately propels us to lead lives that, that don't serve us. Um, wow. Beautiful, yeah. Perfection. And, and, uh, um, I'm taking away myself from here, but she's been empowered to make more mistakes because it was scary at the beginning. And, um, for context, Anna is Polish, but she's based in, in Barcelona, Spain. And, you know, we've been talking about, how to be an ally. And one of the conversations she was having with me, which is the same conversation she's having in her circles is, what do I say? I'm not there. I'm not American. How can I do, you know, all these things. And, uh, and we just had the same conversation. We're having it's, you know, you got to have the conversation because the, uh, the opposite thing is it wasn't being had. In fact, people didn't believe it was a thing. People would say race card or get over it or, you know, move on or stop talking. And it, fell into so many tropes when you, you know, we've seen the strong black woman trope or, you know, all these things where it seems good on the surface, right? Yo, there's a strong black woman. She takes no nonsense, no BS. Look at her in command, the right mother, the right CEO, everything in there. But we've seen in recent uh, times that it is killing people. It's affecting our health. 
Um, it affects how people see us. Even doctors would see that and say, well, I don't really need to treat her. I mean, she's tough. You know, doctors are falling into this weird mindset where black skin is tougher than white skin, or even the mindset where black children would be like, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm straight, you know, all these things. It's so dangerous. <laughs> and yeah. it's stripping people of feeling the way they should feel, whether it's, you know, fear-based, like you said, or trauma-based. And yeah. I think it's very important to release all that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I love um, what Anna said about getting over the fear of being the perfect ally, because yeah. when I think of ally, I think of a friend, like a real friend, you know, not, not a bot, not an acquaintance. And <laughs> when you think of a real friend, what actually creates a deeper connection or friendship is when you get through the mistakes. <laughs> That's when you find out someone is really there for you. You know, when you're in a relationship, that's when relationships get deeper, any type of real connection. So how, the, the idea of being a perfect ally essentially doesn't make sense, right? Think of whenever that comes up for you, Anna, or anyone else, I want you to think of your best friend well, we just, just had a, we just had the fight. Right. We just had a big fight. fight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack his but he just reminded me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, we did. We did, everyone. We just had a big fight, but. <laughs> <laughs> but just yeah. thinking of like your your best friend, you know, and your experiences and just your memories. What you tend to think about is just all the things you've overcome together. You know, all the conversations that you've had all of the moments, that's friendship. So yeah. when you think of an amazing ally, that's what you think of. You know, okay, I mean, this person, we, we have overcome these things. We've had these hard conversations. You don't think of someone who always had the right answers. That's right. right? That doesn't work. That's, that's not how deep connections and true work, you know, is ever done. Authenticity and vulnerability is very important in this work. And I think it's, uh, it's this myth that we've perpetuated that if you are, you're weak. But I think it actually is a connection tool. You know, people humanize you the more you, yeah. you do that. And, and if you're around people that are perpetuating this idea, like, oh, you're a sissy, all that, then that's, that's, that's them. That's a they problem. I just, okay. <laughs> I just want you to understand that uh, uh, as we get to the second half of this interview, something that I know that is drawn ire and frustration out of you is the random Humpty Dumpty statements that companies have been putting out in support of yeah. Black Lives. What is the wrong way to do it? Please, please just uh, flame as many people as you can. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> I'm not going to call out companies, but you know, I'll definitely talk about some of the ways that are not the right way to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. Hey, hey, uh, I see you, Starbucks, Knicks. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, everyone, see, this is how we're different. This is how we're different. <laughs> there, are, there are times when I will call out um, specific companies, but it's usually when I feel like they have been given opportunities time and time again. You know, there were there was time and space being held for them to make a better decision and they just didn't. But for me, um, especially right now, I want to see people, companies clearly and brands. 
I want to say in brands too, because this also um, refers to people who identify as a brand. There are so many people who are influencers or who were influencers and identified as having a brand prior to this. And then suddenly when all of this happened, they're just like, oh, no, I'm just one person. But before this, you were a brand, you were an influencer, you know, and if you are a brand or someone who feels like you desire to influence other people or to be an authority figure, then you have to take a stand. And your silence is taking a stand. Your inaction is taking a stand. Um, and I want to see people clearly take a stand for Black lives, not for diversity, not for inclusion. I want you to clearly say and state that you are not in agreement with what is happening with the deaths, with you know the mistreatment of people, with the police brutality. I wanna see that. I wanna see what exactly you are specifically going to do or doing now for the cause. What are you, are you putting up dollars? Are you protesting? Are you writing to you know your Senate or are you signing petitions? What are you doing? I don't want just a love and light message. Thanks. You want to plan. I I want not just the plan. I want the action. You know, I've even seen um, one company I'll call out, Sam's. Someone posted posted, um, Sam's. They sent me a message and it was like what Sam's um, said that they were going to do during this time. And they basically said, we are siding with our um, umbrella company, Walmart. And this is what Walmart is doing. And I said, oh, so this is like the I have a black friend conversation, right? <laughs> or, oh no, my wife or my my sister, my sister is married to a black man. What, the, okay, you're, what about you, you know? So mm. what is Sam doing? What are you specifically doing, you know, for your employees? Um, and just, I've also noticed a lot of, children's brands a lot of them have just been business as usual nothing being said no no inclusion no you know and i just think well what about all of the black children you know who who need to to feel seen who need to feel like they're important just you know so and and i i want to see your executive board to have members who are black, who are, I want to, because without that, this is just a response to ease what is happening right now, an immediate fix, but it doesn't create any long-term developments or change. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of brands that I once admired and, you know, that I once worked with and collaborated with just putting up a black square or, you know, writing a statement that they think is okay. But then you look at their employees and their executive board and there's no representation. No, no, no. And and I have a lot to say on this. So, uh, but before I do that, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, please leave a like, love, heart, emoji, hug, 
anything, it does help with the uh, visibility. And I appreciate that. Okay, so where do I start? Because I'm calling people out. Okay. <laughs> so one of my guilty pleasures, for example, is uh, uh, The Bachelor. Yes, everybody, I, I do watch. I've watched The Bachelor franchise since I was a kid and started. And in you know, I, the first black female lead was Rachel Lindsay, and there was nothing after that. And then two, a couple of days ago, in the middle of what all this this happened, they decided to cast the first black male bachelor when they haven't even done the bachelorette season. And it screamed reactiveness because this guy that they cast is one, is one of the best friends of a, a former bachelorette candidate. And I was, and everybody was like, wait, wait, even the Rachel Lindsay was like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing systemically? How are you casting? What is the plan for that? How are you going to do that? How do you just go over the bachelorette to say, this is the first black lead. And it screamed reactiveness and I and I hope that they're listening, that they understand that this is not a fix, right? This is you, you're going to have to make sure that you are creating an ecosystem, and you need to exactly. learn how to train your your viewers because the 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 rea the reaction before was well, we don't get viewers, right? And I'm like, you you only had one black lead. What are you talking about? And even even if you don't get viewers, then what are your morals? <laughs> you're right. promoting love here and you're telling me that it's, it's, it's all about this. So that really bothers me. And the other thing I have to say has to do with companies that approach diversity and unconscious bias training as three hour assignments as opposed to sustainable yep. programs. That is one of my biggest <laughs> frustrations. And, 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 and I am saying this to any company, listen, I know this is my field. This is my work. So this is very personal for me. If you just reach out to to DNI consultant to just have a talk, you have not solved anything. Right. <laughs> There's no way that that is going to, to happen. In fact, you're going to perpetuate uh, a, an environment that doesn't promote learning because one faction of the group may feel, oh, they're, they're just going to scream at us. And the other will be like, I went through this last year. I know this story. Why are you doing this again? What are we doing for plans? So there has to be some level of transparency, action planning, and you need to be able to to have something that you're measuring against where you're saying, okay, this is how I'm staying accountable. We fell short here. We're working towards this. That has to be there. You know, it doesn't make you a less desirable company. <laughs> right. It doesn't make you a company that is working towards something, which is progress. So I'm off my uh, uh, soapbox there. Um, what does Charlene say? Charlene says, Jamia, companies and brands, e.g. influencers, to act, not just state, in clear support of Black lives, not diversity in general. My pro tip, no blackface. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with you. Uh, I, I think I saw uh, a campaign where several white people, different people were wearing blackface as a way to, you know, of solidarity. And, and, and it's, it's like, yeah, makeup influencer. Exactly. It was that. I, I saw it on my feed. I, I wasn't quite sure what it was. Uh, but yeah, that that's that. Um, okay, let's get into your work. So you do amazing things, right? You're the founder of Kitty University. You've, yeah, you've got the evolved teacher brand and she is, your TED Talk has over a million views. Is that what it is? Or two million views? What do we do? What do we have? What do we have? No. <laughs> She, she's being modest. We'll put the TED Talk in the in, in the in the um, uh, description, but her TED Talk is uh, fire, as the kids just say. It's it's, it's flames hey, emoji. As the kids. <laughs> no, what? What? 
Yeah, I'm the oldest person here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the oldest person here. I'm the oldest person in the world. But um, <laughs> uh, talk to us about what you're doing with, with Kid University. Yeah, so Kid University is um, a personal growth platform for kids and for parents who are high performers who want to give their children the best in the world, but are still trying to figure out how to do those things, how to navigate those conversations. And what I like to focus on in Kid University are the conversations that are typically not had in school, uh, like self-love, like having a growth mindset, like deep connection. Um, and that's basically uh, formed after my work with adults, where I would be in these personal growth spaces and at these seminars, you know, and I would see just adults, 50, you know, 60, just overwhelmed with emotion and trauma and just falling to the floor, you know, and I thought, okay, they are unpacking years of trauma, years of conversations that they never had the opportunity to have, or the, as you were saying, um, not having the words mm -hmm. to identify their feelings. So what would happen if we started that younger so that kids would be able to identify their feelings. One of the first uh, programs in Kid University is about the connection languages. So kids can have the, the, the words to verbalize when they aren't having emotional needs met or when someone else is playing a role based on fear or trauma or anger. Um, and so Kid University does this in a very simple way. There are printables, there are challenges, there are videos, you know, very simple, simple um, activities that kids can do alone or with their parents. And this is my uh, passion, <laughs> baby. Thank you for posting the website. Yeah, the website, kiduniversity.com. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that I realized is while traveling in the beginning, I thought that I was doing things that the regular teacher would do. <laughs> and um, after a while, parents would sit me down and say, I, I need to know, I need you to really tell me what you're doing so that I can replicate it. Because you're saying, I mean, I'm just a teacher, I'm just talking to them, but you're not just talking to them. So I need you to figure this out so you know, I can help my kid. Um, right. And yeah. so, you know, those were the seeds, the, the deep personal growth and connection pieces. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm going to make sure I put the link in, in, in the description. But if you're still curious about how she spells Kid U University, it's K-I-D and then Y-O-U. N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y dot com. So Kid University. Once again, it's going to be in the description on YouTube, the description in the podcast. And, uh, you know, Jamia is a very, very, very uh, big Beyonce fan, but she's also... <laughs> yeah. No, she's also a legend in this space, right? She's... Uh, when. Uh, when she agreed to do this, I, I've got to, I've got to tell you, uh, I, I wasn't sure she'd say yes because she's based in Malaysia right now, and it's six twenty three a.m. over there, and so 
you can see it's dark over there. And this is a work that she's dedicated her life to. She has been able to work with kids from different parts of the world. She works with parents, she works with teens, she works with brands, she works with influencers. And so her perspectives come across in all her uh, platforms. Her Instagram, which is blown up right now, is at Evolved Teacher. So if you want to give her a follow, check out Evolved Teacher. She's also on YouTube at, is it Evolved Teacher as well? Uh, Jamia, YouTube, yes, Evolved Teacher. Involved teacher and any other website that people need to know about? LinkedIn, Jamia, um, Twitter, Jamia teacher. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll make sure I, I get all those and I'll put that in the description. But I want to thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, all right. I said, of course. Oh, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. So you, you sure it wasn't because of a best friend obligation? You actually believe in the work I'm doing and you don't think that I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing anything bad? You, you believe in me? Is that, is that what's happening? Yes. <laughs> so convincing. Whatever. Anyways, but ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I, as you've seen, the brilliant mirrors shared an amazing array of tips and, and pieces of advice, but the conversation doesn't end here. In fact, uh, it's only just beginning. So third week starts tomorrow and I'll be putting out the curriculum very soon, but please check out Jamia's work. Let's amplify a voice, uh, voice. Let's amplify her voice and uh, make sure we, uh, we get the word out there because she's really doing life-changing things. Thank you. And Thanks. super proud of everyone for showing up. This is major. Major key. Have a good one, folks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.